Melanie Diesel. My gosh, it's been quite a while since I last saw your smiling face over Zoom and even longer since I've seen you in person. I, I basically had to have you back on because <laughs> I don't know if you're aware, but the Nonfiction Brand Podcast just closed out year number three and is now beginning year number four. And since you've been on the pod, I don't know, two, three uh, times? Yeah, a couple maybe? times. Yeah. There's a reason for that. And that's because you're one of my favorite guests because oh. you always have a good time talking, but you always bring a lot of really great stuff for me to chew on and also for our audience to chew on, especially in the area of content. But before we go into any of that stuff, I, I don't stalk. I do, <laughs> but I do well, follow you yeah. on the socials. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And I saw something happen to you. I'm going to guess eight months ago or something like that kind of made me go, oh, that's interesting. Do you know what I'm talking about? Was that the, the shift in my role? Yes. The, <laughs> the, the pivot in your personal professional career. And uh, long story short, I know Melanie as what I would call a pure personal brand. Someone who's getting out there talking about what you know about and all that stuff. But you chose to go back inside the agent that came in from the cold, if you will, because you've joined an organization. Can you tell me what the heck's going on, Melanie? Yeah. So this was about eight months ago. Foundation Marketing is run by another personal brand, Ross Simmons, who's a big name in the content space. And the two of us have just been We've just been running in the same circles, speaking at the same conferences, but never connected one-on-one. -on -one. And when the two of us finally were like, we should just hop on a Zoom call and chat. Like there's just too much overlap for us not to, to talk. And we realized we had a lot of cool ideas that we could help one another execute on that. I had a lot of ideas that I didn't have the team or the staff to execute on. And he had a staff of creators that would benefit from someone with more of an editorial background, just guiding some of the work that they were doing. It was a nice opportunity for us to partner together. So yeah, for, I think it was about six months there, I worked with Foundation Marketing and with Ross over there as a director of content, just running workshops, teaching all the foundation team, you know, what I know about everything from how to write compelling headlines to coming up with content, work with some of our, our really fun clients. Yeah, and I'm, I'm shifting now back toward, towards some of my own stuff. So it, you saw the entire, the journey in its entirety now. Yeah, it, it's the narrative arc. You definitely yeah. have a narrative arc and I've been following you across, arcing across the firmament, if you will. <laughs> and not only that, but I'm doing my two seconds of research before yeah. you get on the horn and I see you move south. I know you as a New Yorker or a New Jersey girl. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're down there in Raleigh, in North yeah. Carolina. Yeah. So there was, it was definitely a, an unexpected departure, even for us. And we've shared this story many times, but being totally transparent when, when lockdown hit for us in New York city, we were in, in Jersey city, right across the river. And as many of us will remember, that was the epicenter in the early days. That's where things were really bad. And we were watching our neighborhood change. We were watching I like to share, I had a scary moment where you know, our nearest grocery store was a few blocks away and we walked because we didn't have a car. I walked to the grocery store and there was a sign up that said, due to COVID, we'll be closed for two weeks that the staffers had been infected. And I had this moment where I realized the next closest grocery store is almost a full mile from here. So it was like, this is not a place for us to weather this storm. This is just 
this is tough. And we also had a toddler and we were in a 600 square foot apartment that now we can't leave. It was just a lot. And so we started to think, well, look, if this is going to be a move for a bit, why don't we, why don't we just make a, a new change, like a real change, not just move a few blocks away. And so we started reverse engineered it, I guess you'd say. We started to list the things that were important to us, having enough space to have an office at home and access to nature and being in a place that's really friendly for kids and families and and all of these different things. And Raleigh, North Carolina kept popping up on the list. Like they've got some real good SEO going on over here for Raleigh. And yeah, sight unseen. Neither of us has family here, have friends here, have ever visited for any uh, extended period of time. We just found a place and decided to, to come down and weather the storm down here where it's a little warmer. Whoa. Back that up. <laughs> you, cause I'm, I'm like, Oh, maybe foundation is located in Raleigh nope. or maybe you've got friends and family or you didn't go to school down there. Nope. So you're telling me you picked based on what was undoubtedly knowing your journalistic background, you probably looked at a lot of 10 best cities to live in. <laughs> and I'm happy yeah. to say that Madison, Wisconsin, which I'm just outside of, is always right up there, typically number one, by the way. There you go. You did an assessment of who you are, what your family needs, what your family wants, and you consciously uncoupled from your home territory Yeah. to move to the place that kind of was best aligned with who you are, what you do and how you do it and what you want for your family. Yeah. And some of that remains to be seen. To be fair, we've been down here for about a year now, but it has still been, there's still been intermittent quarantine and lockdown. And so we haven't been able to truly explore the area like we would have otherwise. But yeah, it was just this realization that I think that harsh reality of where we're living doesn't serve us right now. It was just like, it was not good for our mental health, not good for us from a physical standpoint. And so we thought if we're going to make a change, like now's the time, because it's only going to get more difficult from here. We don't have a school to change. I don't know that we'll stay here for life, but we thought, again, if the next year is going to be the Wild West and we're both blessed to be able to work remotely, then we might as well have a little adventure while we're at it. It makes so much sense because, as you said, with a toddler, you can pick them up and take them anywhere. Yeah. Let me tell you, that's changes when they enter, let's call it middle school Mm -hmm. on up. You're locked into a school district. You're not leaving because they will kill you. Your children will kill you. But before that, anyway, I, I, I guess what I want to talk about is that because I'm always looking for ways to turn this around to the tent pole idea of this podcast, yeah. which is knowing who you are, what you do and how you do it, making sure other people understand that packaging yourself so that you're completely true and, and completely you in yeah. terms of their expectations. But you did exactly what both of us know you should be doing when creating truthful, authentic content which is really assess down to the, what I like to think of as the first principles of who you are and then make decisions based on that rather than inertia, the inertia of my family's there. So I'm going to stay there, which I'm a dad now. So older daughters, I think that's a good reason (laughs) starting now. But, But before that, the choices I've made on where I live around the country and stuff like that were all based on the fact that, you know what? I can live anywhere I want. So why don't I? And I'm not afraid of that. Why not? And it sounds like you've had a lot of why nots in the past 12 months. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for us, it really was a realization that like, 
the time, the clock is ticking. Like you said, like there's not that much longer that we'll be able to do something like this. And I think it was a big decision. It's not one we came to, to lightly given the fact our families were all within a few hours of where we lived. So it wasn't, not everyone was close by. It was definitely a change, but what we realized was the next, at that point, the next 12 or so months, we were not going to be doing regular weekend visits. At that point, like state lines were locked down. It was a, a realization that in a very rare sort of stars aligning kind of way, we had a year where we were going to be not necessarily visiting, where we weren't going to be able to do those things. So it was almost like we were given that gift of a year to figure things out. I think it's hard to look at the last 12 to 18 months as a gift for most of us. But if you can find uh, for us, if, if we're trying to find a way to, to learn and grow from this situation, it's that we were able to, to take a chance and, and try to live somewhere new. And we're really blessed. And we acknowledge that to be able to make that decision. The last 18 months have been really tough for a lot of people and including us in many ways. My business is primarily speaking at conferences, which are still not, not recovered yeah. from that. So yeah, it's definitely been a strange year, but it was, I think many people have done a lot of soul searching and a lot of trying to examine what's important and what matters and our priorities and not just doing things the way we've always done them with regards to work or family or, or anything else. So I think it, it's been a time for change for a lot of people, I think. Yeah. But I got to say that the work you've done developing your personal brand, your personal awareness, your brand awareness, if you will, your yeah. reputation, reputation is something other people hold for you. It's I know what your reputation is. Yeah. But you have been actively packaging yourself for as long as I've known you so that people understand this is why you should think I'm valuable. I think that probably served you really well when it came to this whole transition into working with an organization because they didn't choose you based on a resume. I'm guessing. No. They chose you based on a personal relationship that was developed yeah. over time. Can you talk about that at all? Yeah. Like I said, this really came out of, it was not something that either of us set out to do. It was truly having a conversation and realizing like, man, we've got a lot of overlap in the things that we care about. And there's a lot of really complementary skill sets. There's probably an opportunity for us to partner on some cool stuff here. Yeah. There was no, no exchange of resume. There was no rundown of experience. It was really just, just the stars aligning and seeing an opportunity to work together. But to your point, that comes from really knowing what your value is and what your weaknesses are. I was very transparent when I joined the foundation team that SEO, which was a major strong point for the foundation team, is not something historically that I've spent a lot of time doing. I'm aware of it. I understand it. But I wouldn't say it's my expertise or, or something that I'm truly fluent in. The ability to find those complementary skill sets and learn from each other, I think, is a big part of, of what made that make sense. This episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast is brought to you by my new book, Nonfiction Brand. Discover, craft, and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are, now available on Amazon.com. Jay Baer, best-selling author of Talk Triggers, said, The book is outstanding. Highly recommended. A spectacularly useful guide to personal branding that pulls off the difficult trick of being both realistic and inspirational. A must-read, regardless of where you are in your own brand-building journey. To get your copy, head on over to Amazon.com and search Nonfiction Brand. And let's get you all the credit you deserve for the completely true, completely you brand you already are. It makes total sense because you have been consistent in terms of 
constantly getting yourself out there in the content space, but also from a journalistic background. If you yeah. can go on her story fuel, what is it? Storyfuel.com uh, storyfuel.co. Yep. And it makes sense. Her last name is Diesel, not spelled <laughs> like the fuel, but definitely a homonym. Is that what it is? Uh, I think so. Uh, or it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while I think, too. I think it's, it's a homonym. Yeah, a, a, it sounds <laughs> like it's spelled differently, but it sounds like diesel. It's diesel a little fuel. a wink and a nod. Yeah, exactly. So head on over to storyfuel.co and just look at her bio and you'll see that she's got quite the pedigree. Names like New York Times, Huffington Post, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This girl's got some game here, but that game has not been scattershot. You've been firing, or I like to compare things to a Swiss Army knife. I do everything for everybody poorly versus, no, I'm a scalpel. I do one thing and I cut very sharp. And you know exactly what you're getting. And I'm guessing, yeah. I'm guessing that's the value to foundation that, w- no, we don't, we have SEO geeks. We don't need any more SEO geeks. <laughs> what we need is someone who can bring the ethics, morality, understanding of journalism, the storytelling of journalism, and bring that as a value add to our customers. Yeah, exactly. And that's it just, like I said, it's, hard to explain. It's just like the stars aligned and it just makes sense. Not unlike the move was a chance for me to add value in a unique way, but at the same time to be able to learn and expand my skill set. So I'm really proud. And I think it's great that I now have a much deeper understanding of SEO. It's still not my expertise. It's still not something that I would put myself forward as an expert on and, and speak and try to teach other people but I've certainly increased my understanding to increase my level of comfort. And that allows me to do what I do much better. All of that, I think is something to be really grateful for. Yeah. And it also gives you another arrow in your quiver that may have been a weak arrow in the past. It's yeah. now getting stronger every day as you're exposed more and more, especially in yeah. a client service universe. You now can not only understand SEO, the language, but speak it better and more fluently every day, which makes you even more valuable. And that gives you something more to talk about when, knock on wood, COVID starts going away and we can get back face to face and speaking at conferences and stuff like that. Because you and I are the same. We got hit hard. When everything shut down and someone like Mark Schaefer was able to pivot and go to online really yeah. quickly with a lot of grace, almost like a ice skater, but yeah. he's the master and I am nothing but the Padawan going, how'd you do that, man? I'm curious if you, if you went through something that I went through, that's really related to the personal brand. One of the things that I struggled with in those early days is I have built myself as a teacher and a speaker. And that's what I do. Like my brand, not entirely, but in many ways was defined by the means through which I was delivering knowledge. And when that rug was pulled out from under me, I'll be totally honest. I had a mini crisis of self. I was like, I guess I'm not a speaker right now. And I guess I'm not doing workshops. So what am I? I'm just a a person with access to Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it, it was a a real challenge for me. And I had, at that point, I launched my book at the end of February, like days before lockdown. I I remember because you gave me a copy at social media marketing world. And literally that Friday, when we got back after being in San Diego, 
everything shut down. And the funny thing is, I, I feel your pain, but my situation was ameliorated by the fact that I was inspired by hmm, a woman named Melanie Diesel who gave me a copy of her brand new book, The Content Fuel Framework. And I'm going, oh, I'm so jealous because I hadn't written a book. And then I meet someone at Social Media Marketing World who told me a story that just lit me on fire. This golf pro in Sydney, Australia had decided to, what he wanted to do was qualify for the Australian Open Golf Tournament. So he decided to do, I think it was 101 days or 100 days every single night going live on Facebook Live to do something preparing himself for qualifying. He'd work on a short game. He'd work on sand traps. He'd get on front of the camera and say, I just don't have anything tonight. I'm, <laughs> I'm just wiped out, whatever. Yeah. And that story inspired me so much that I decided after coming back from San Diego, because I was so mad at you, that <laughs> I was going to go live for 301. Because when I got home on March 7th, there were 301 days left in the year. I was going to go live. Every single night on Facebook Live, Twitch, and YouTube Live, and write the book in real time, live in front of people. I love and it. And I did, except for one night where I had Lyme disease, of all things. Oh, and I I've just could not get down there. Oh, man. Bad. It's no joke. But anyway, it, it, so that filled up my energy. That literally took any COVID fear or whatever. And I don't know, it, I had a, a fire lit under my butt and that really burned out the covidness yeah however yes a lot of speaking things went by a lot of clients started tightening things up yep and thank god my wife had a good job working in a school district and all that stuff it it was a very challenging time and i think in different ways for everybody. But the thing that kept me going was the fact that I still had a podcast to do, which was a thing to get my personal brand out there, my voice out there. I was still able yeah. to talk to smart people every single week. I was still able to deal with my community, which I do not deal with very well. But still, <laughs> there are people out there who let me know they're listening and they appreciate it and stuff like that. And that type of self-affirmation stuff or that affirmative stuff only happens because you're not curling up in a defensive crouch. You're actually forcing yourself open and getting your voice out there. And all I can say is for me, my personal brand or the need to continue to develop my personal brand forced me out of what would have been typical for me. An introvert, I can just be in my basement and I'll just yeah. be quiet and I'll just <laughs> wait it know. out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, no. I feel it. I feel your pain. I have to say again, it's because you are who you are. And not only that, but people know who you are because you've been putting yourself out there. That's actually given you that opportunity in the midst of a plague year. <laughs> Think of it. Yeah. You got, you started your conversation during a plague year and they said, come on board. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that the same thing happened to me, but People who listen to this podcast already know that story, and we'll talk about it later because this is not about me. This is about you. Melanie <laughs> Diesel, spelled D-E-Z-I-E-L. You can look her up on storyfuel.co. Again, 
I'm talking to Melanie Diesel, who I dearly love as a friend and as a author who pisses me off enough to make me want to write a book. And I do want to make sure people know how they can get a hold of your book. Yeah. Can you tell us again what the Content Fuel Framework is about? Yeah. So this book that, that just annoyed you so much, it's called <laughs> The Content Fuel Framework, How to Generate Unlimited Story Ideas. Uh, and it really presents a system for how to put some process behind your creativity. So much of coming up with content ideas, air quotes here, is just like winging it and hoping that something comes to you. And so this book really walks through a, a step-by-step process. You can find it, your, all your online booksellers of choice, most of them will, will carry it, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, some of the, the indie book companies as well. You can get it uh, in ebook form on Audible and Smashwords and, and tons of other places and ditto for for audiobook actually. So if you're not sick of listening to to me after this episode uh, and you feel like listening to me for three more hours, then you can uh, you can go help yourself. I believe me. I've been slowly chipping away at producing my own audiobook of my new book, nonfiction brand. What a pain in the butt that is. I'm just telling you. It and I used to do voiceovers. It's so much harder than people think. And I think this is true for voiceover too. The audiobook, like I said, it comes out to about three hours. Mine does. Yeah. That is two and a half days, full days in the studio recording things. And like for some context here, like the team that I worked with said that I did a really great job and I was very efficient, but even still two and a half days to create three hours of finished audio for an audiobook. It's just, it's a lot. And yet I got to tell you, it's this unlock, this big level up. Yeah, that you've done because now people literally will hear your voice every time yeah. they think of the content fuel framework. Anybody who might want to book you for a speaking event will listen to your voice and go, oh, she has a pleasant speaking voice and she presents <laughs> her information really well. I bet you she's even better in person. Well, and that was that was a real choice for me as as from having done voice work, for the most part, the best practice is to hire a voice artist to read your book. Because the, the assumption is just because you're good at writing a book doesn't mean that you're good at reading that book in a way that can be easily edited and easily understood and sped up and still be understood. It's a different skill set. And so it was something that I actually put a lot of time and effort into practicing, into using the mic here and recording myself and practicing I, I did a lot of voice exercises. It was, it was a lot of new skills for me, but I actually really enjoyed it. And uh, so who knows? Maybe I'll do more of that type of stuff. If you don't want to read your audiobook, let me know. Maybe I'll <laughs> read other people's audiobook. That's a really great idea. Anyway, again, I'm talking to Melanie Diesel, and I want to let people know how they can connect with you or follow you, whatever, stalk you mercilessly via socials. How can people do that? So the headquarters, if you're looking for a diverse range of stocking options, would be storyfuel.co.co. That's you could find my bio. You could find all my social links. You can find out information about the book and speaking. It's all there. But like we mentioned earlier, Melanie Diesel, D-E-Z-I-E-L. Search for me on your platform of choice and you will surely find me. It'll be easy to know it's, uh, which one is me. I'm the only, only one of me. And if you want to hang out where I'm hanging out, then find me on Twitter as M Diesel. That's uh, that's my my home base. Great. Melanie's one of those people I love to follow because, again, she's coming at the same stuff from a different angle. The journalism background, the content development. She's systemized that which I refuse to systemize. And I'm not saying you're good or I'm bad or vice versa. I'm just saying it's different. And 
The thing I will say about the Content Fuel Framework, her book, which is available on Amazon at Al, it is perfect if you are having to toil in the salt mines of content creation every day and you just find yourself every once in a while going, I don't have any ideas today. Yeah. And the other thing is, it's also very flexible. I hear you on not wanting a system that's too prescriptive because you can feel like that's limiting your creativity, right? It's not letting you do the things that you feel most passionate about or most inspired. Luckily, I, I love and encourage for people to adapt it to, to suit your needs. Cut things out, add new things in. This is your run-of-the-mill starter framework that you can build upon to make sure that it suits your creative needs and, and your content. And I want to go into that in next week's episode. But for now, I need to wrap this episode up. But don't worry, Melanie's going to be with me again next week. And we'll talk about that framework in action. But I do want to say thank you for listening to the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. Please like, subscribe, refer. And most of all, can you do me a solid and review it? Give it an honest review wherever you get podcasts for free, because that's where you're getting this podcast. For the Nonfiction Brand Podcast, I am DP Knuton, and she is Melanie Diesel. And we'll be talking at you again next week. Bye bye. <laughs>